Welcome to the Digital CXO Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Bizard, and my guest today is once again, Alan Schimmel, CEO for TechStrong Group, publisher of DevOps.com, Security Boulevard, Container Journal, TechStrong TV, and of course, Digital CXO. Alan, good to see you or hear from you again. It's good to be with you, Mike. I hope all is well. All is good. It seems like GPT and generative AI is everywhere. We got Salesforce talking about embedding it within their um, CRM applications. We have Microsoft, of course, leading the push to put it into our browsers. There are no shortage of startups talking about how they are using generative AI. And we even have people talking about DevOps and how it will be used in software development. And finally, of course, the cybersecurity world thinks that the sky is falling because the bad guys are going to use this to launch a bazillion phishing attacks. And my question to you is, how real is all of this to you right now? I mean, we if, depending on who you talk to, this is the greatest invention since um, perhaps the toaster. And other people say this is we're turning loose a psychopath that's just going to destroy everything. Or it winds up being a big nothing burger. Look, it, you're right. It certainly does seem like all roads lead to generative AI. And, and you got to love this industry, man. When we get a hot, a hot hype like this, we're like dogs with bones. Mm. You know, this becomes the answer for everything. And there are VCs falling over themselves and companies tripping over their, I would say their ties, but no one wears ties anymore. But falling, you know, tripping over themselves, trying to throw money at this, right? Because Microsoft, of course, was first in with a measly $10 billion, right? And, and um, let's see what else follows. Everyone's going to be throwing money at it. But here's my take on it. Right now, it's pretty nifty. You've played with ChatGPT. I've played with it. A lot of people out here listening have. And there are people already trying to make a living by saying, let me coach you on how to do prompts for, for GPT and all of this. But there's a bigger, obviously a bigger role and a, a bigger picture for generative AI. I think in the short term, we are going to be really stuck in an Uber hype cycle where this thing is just hyped to all hell. And when something is that hype, it, it just it can't help but not to live up to it because it, the hype is too high. But, you know, on, on the flip side of that, Mike, we're both old enough to remember when the Internet went commercial and this was going to change civilization. And there were people who said yes, and there were people who said no. And there were people who said, well, let's wait and see. Uh, the cloud was never going to change civilization, but it was certainly going to change our whole IT world. We haven't had a civilization changer in a while, actually. Um, can it? Iterative AI be a civilization changer, or is it just an IT changer, or is it just another arrow in the quiver? And I think that's the question we want to ask ourselves here. Yes, there's a lot of potential uses for it, a lot of places where it could work. How helpful will it be? Will it be a game changer and this, that, and the other thing? I think we're going to have to wait and see. I'm not in the nothing burger camp. But I'm not quite yet in the civilization changer camp. How's that sound? I think there's two things about this. I think it will improve productivity for the average person because 
I mean, you and I write all day long, but the average person does not write and it's a chore for them. So I think that it will help a lot of people that create their first draft of something and they'll be more productive. But I also think it's going to expose this ugly underside of IT that we've ignored for three or four decades now, which is the quality of the data. A lot of the stuff that's going into these large language models is junk. Some of it's outright false misinformation, and it's getting spit out the other side. It's garbage in, garbage out. And I think we're all going to have to take a giant step back and say, uh, what is the data that we're throwing in this model, and how are we managing data? And I think this whole era is going to be a wake-up call for a lot of folks about the way we manage IT. So. I think that data issue, so I, I don't disagree necessarily, but I think I think the data issue is, is more important when we look at iterative AI performing IT-related tasks, like writing code or, or something like that, or finding bugs, because why couldn't you find bugs going forward, perhaps? But... I think there's another data issue in, you know, and I've seen friends of mine say, look, you put my name into chat GPT and it says I died <laughs> or, you know, it has wrong information. And, and so, you know, think about students doing their research reports, right? I, I had to trust the old world book encyclopedia. And I lived in that when I was in high school and, and even college letting the Dewey Decimal System at the library. But now they got this. But if it's spitting out wrong information, that's not an IT problem. Or is it? Is it, you know, we're going to blame IT because we're the ones that are loading the data or, or loading this machine that loads the data? You know, history is full of false information. I, I'm not quite ready to hang it on the IT people's heads or over their heads. Well, somebody has got to create that data and manage it. But to your point, it's a brave new world and we'll see what happens. No one knows for certain where we're going to be a year from now. So if you're looking out right now over the horizon, where do you think we're going to be in a year? So in a year, I don't think we're going to be very different than we are now. I think, I think you know, iterative AI, chat GPT and all of its brethren and children that we'll see come out. With, with this money being thrown at it, will be out there. They'll be more accepted. We'll will be a little bit less gee whiz and more about how do I really make it work. I think the real horizon is five years, ten years, seven years. That's when I think we'll start recognizing: is this thing a civilization changer, or is it just an IT changer? And and I think those are two very drastic different kind of innovation layers or innovation plateaus. Speaking of that timeline, there was a launch of a new processor from an outfit called uh, BrainChip, and it claims that they can mimic the way the human brain works, and you're going to deploy this at the edge, and I'm not going to get into the human brain conversation, but what was interesting to me is They were talking about how we're going to be able to continuously train the AI model at the edge by having enough processing power to update that and train that and not rely completely on, say, GPUs and things that are a little too expensive out at the edge. And so we've seen a shift over the last 
couple of years where we are processing and analyzing more data at the point where it is created and consumed. And I guess our AI model is going to follow suit. And I'm bringing this up because one of the issues with ChatGPT is it takes a long time to train those models. And then, you know, by the time you can roll them out, the data that you were using is out of date. So is all this AI stuff going to get more real time? And will the thing learn? It has to. So, you know, back to uh, the, the previous comments we were talking about over time frames, you know, it's like electronics, you know, becoming miniature, miniaturized. I, I think it's the same thing. Well, you know, they'll miniaturize this eng- these engines and clone them, and, and of course they'll move out to the edge. Uh, I think what we're seeing now is, is relatively early on in, in this. Right. We may find out that it maybe needs less of a library as long as it has access to other libraries and it can do sort of its thing in real time. I, I you know, I, I just think, man, we're just the beginning of this journey. And and if you look at technical innovation, it always becomes smaller, faster, cheaper. It's just the nature of it. All right. So we're gonna see some interesting applications that Today, the stuff we're looking at is probably small potatoes compared to what we'll get to in three or five years. But we might not recognize it as the uh, quote-unquote decade of GPT until we're halfway through it. Absolutely. I, I think now a lot of it is gee whiz kind of stuff, right? Much like when the internet first came out and you did a Yahoo search because we didn't have Google search or did InfoSeek or one of those out there Vista. And it was amazing the kind of information you could pull up there. Man, I remember saying to myself, wow, if I had this in school, how great would it be, right? This is that same kind of gee whiz kind of stuff. And we're just now starting to say, okay, what are the applications here, right? What, how, how can this really in Salesforce, in cyber, in, and, you know, because we're IT folk, we think of it in terms of IT related matters, but we're at the beginning. Do you think as we shift to the next topic that there might be cases of AI envy starting to emerge where traditional enterprises feel like, my God, we're falling way behind because, you know, they'll see what a Microsoft and a Google is doing. And there'll be a rush to kind of play around with this stuff without necessarily thinking it all the way through. Um, so what's your sense of what the average enterprise should be able to expect as a result of all of this versus what we see with, you know, companies that have research budgets that are measured in the billions? Yeah, I, the average enterprise should sit around and piggyback whatever Microsoft, Google and Apple and those guys at Meta, whatever they're going to want to do, because. You know the old story about the missionary, Mike, right? Someone comes up and cleans up behind them. And right now, I I do feel it's very much missionary. As that technology becomes better, faster, cheaper, then enterprises, I think, can jump in here and really kind of, you know, ride the benefits. But for now, I'd just be piggybacking what they do. And this may be heresy, but I'm not quite clear if they should be even investing in data science teams, because a lot of this stuff is going to be, if you just saw chat GPT put out an API. So I'm just going to invoke this through an API. So to what degree do I need to build versus buy is going to be an interesting conversation going forward. 
Absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. Like people are out there advertising that their job is a chat GPT prompt writer or whatever, or they'll teach you to write better prompts. Right. At this point, I wouldn't be investing the house. I would definitely be piggybacking and riding on what's out there. I wouldn't stop doing data science per se, because that's too important. But, you know, I wouldn't be putting all my data science eggs in the chat GPT basket. All right. We'll see how that plays out. Finally, what do you think the role of IT is going to be in the age of digital transformation and AI? Because we're starting to see some survey data that says that, A, there's increased budgets. B, um, CIOs are more involved because a lot of these processes span multiple departments. And so there's people arguing that we're starting to see a uh, resurgence of IT leadership after a few years where everything was driven by departments. Is this cyclical or do you, is there something fundamentally changing here in your mind? Um, that's a great question. Look, we live in interesting times right now. You know, everyone you speak to seems to agree. Macroeconomic conditions, the onward march of technology is, you know, evidenced with this AI kind of fascination. And everything else going on in our world around us between wars and climate change and extremism, nationalism, and all those isms. I'm not that old, but I do remember the 60s being a little child in the 60s. And I remember during that time, there was a feeling of change in the air, right? There might even been a few rock songs written about change as a comet, maybe Bob Dylan or someone. I, I feel like we're in one of those periods right now where change is a comet. And it's coming, it's going to come for IT as well, because we can't lose sight of the fact that IT doesn't exist in a vacuum. IT exists within the confines of businesses, organizations, companies, and businesses, organizations, companies exist within the confines of societies and humanity and economies. And so it's all connected. And so we're going through this whole upheaval kind of thing, right? The new world order giving way to a new world order and the old world order and who the heck knows what's going to happen there. So I think IT people, especially at the C-level, right, for our digital CXO audience, we hate risk. We're risk-adverse, basically, right? We, we like certainty. Hard to have certainty in an uncertain time. And so what we're trying to do is buy certainty in uncertain times or Hedge our bets, you know, in case this happens, you know, I, I, I want to be nimble, agile, and, and make some good bets on, you know, what I might need going forward, depending on what, you know, I'm faced with going forward. So it's, it's not an easy time. It's not an easy time to be an IT leader. It's not an easy time to be a business leader right now, right? When, when the whole kind of stage that you play on is kind of wobbling a little bit. And until that settles down, I think we're in for some turbulent times. I think we're seeing an acceleration of a trend there. We've talked about in the past, but I just don't see how you can be a C-level leader these days and not be technology literate. It's just going to be, you're going to get outmaneuvered and outfoxed by people who are. And the same thing on the IT side. 
the days when you thought you could just be an IT person and work in different vertical industries as you went along, I think you're going to have to know more about the vertical industry you're in and the business that you're serving. And these two things are not a bad thing. I think, you know, basically it's going to finally crush this divide that has existed for four decades between IT folks and business people. And it's long overdue. I agree with you, right? IT is not a cost center. IT is a business accelerator, enabler. And, and C-level folks who don't look at it that way are dinosaurs. And that meteor is at about noon high right now coming down. Um, but that being said, there will be people who will always outsource expertise. And, and that's okay, right? As long as you have expertise in-house for this kind of thing. In, in terms of the IT people themselves, you can't just be an IT person. You, you have got to be intimately familiar with your company's business to understand how best to use IT to your company's advantage or organization's advantage. And if you don't, you're really not a very good leader. All right, folks. Well, you heard it here. If you feel like digital transformation is something that's happening to you, you're probably on the wrong side of the equation. So maybe you want to get in front of this a little bit more. Hey, Alan, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Mike. As always, great talking to you. And thank you for listening to our show. You can find this episode and others on the Digital CXO website, along with show notes to the stories we have discussed today. You can also follow us on your favorite social media platform and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. We'll see you all next time.